0: Good morning. Nice to see all of you this morning. Most people regard the third Godfather movie as the worst of the bunch. But there is an amazing scene in the third Godfather movie. Al Pacino's iconic character, Don Michael Corleone, finds himself speaking with the Italian Roman Catholic Cardinal, Lamberto. And Cardinal Lamber- he's speaking to Cardinal Lamberto about a crime that involves a thieving archbishop in the Vatican Bank. Now, the cardinal knows who he's talking to, the mob boss who has been beaten at his own criminal game by an archbishop, no less cardinal does not seem to be surprised at all by the church's crime and the cardinal walks calmly over to a fountain in the cathedral courtyard where they're speaking and he picks up a small rock out of the fountain out of the water he says this stone has been in the water for many years And he slams the rock down, breaks it in two, and holds it up and shows it to Michael. And he says, but inside, it is completely dry. It is like the hearts of men. They have been in the church for many years, but Christ has not penetrated their dry hearts. Now, I can remember... Seeing that scene for the first time and my first thought was it never occurred to me that rocks underwater were dry inside. <laughs> but almost immediately my own spiritual journey flashed before my eyes because I knew I could be just like that. In the water but dry inside. In the church but without Now, I've said this before, but it is easy to be so involved with Jesus' work that I forget Jesus himself. And my guess is that many of you can resonate with that image of the dry rock like I did. We get involved in the details of our lives. And even if we're doing very good things, we forget the one that our lives are supposed to be lived for. And even if that's not true all the time, we know what it is to go through church motions and yet be spiritually dry on the inside. And I imagine that the Cardinal's analogy with the rock would also have been a good description of the people who came to see John the Baptist in the Jewish faith, active in synagogue activities, Diligent in the sacrifices and yet spiritually dry on the inside. This passage from Luke has always been curious to me. I sort of thought momentarily about uh, opening the sermon by calling you all, as a joke, a brood of vipers. I couldn't really bring myself to do it. John's words seem so abrasive, so harsh. As to be offensive, and yet the people are coming in droves. He goes so far as to threaten that they will be thrown in the fire of judgment, but Luke calls it good news. Now, however, the people heard John's words in that time, in that context, his words don't sound much like good news to us. At first, at least not at first blush. But people are not running away from John's message like I would have been, and they're running to him. In fact, according to the Gospel of Matthew, people were coming to John from all over the place, from Jerusalem. And from all across the countryside. From the big, wealthy city and all the little poor villages. From the, uh, those at the religious center and those all on the religious periphery. In other words, John's message appealed to everyone. To those living at the heights and those who are stuck in life's ditch. Repent. You brood of vipers, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, from my 21st century, don't judge me, American perch, a call to repent images an angry street corner preacher with a bullhorn making people uncomfortable. And so I want to know why they were coming to John. What was it about John's bold and seemingly judgmental preaching that was quenching their spiritual thirst? Why did the threat of judgment and the call to repent sound to their hearts like good news? I think there is a difference Between the way that we might hear such a call and the way that John's audience heard it. And maybe I'm just working through my own junk here. But in my experience, in our individualistic, bootstrapping, do it yourself culture, when we hear a call to repentance, what we hear is, You're not good enough. We feel judged. We feel looked down upon. We feel insecure and even angry. We don't like those feelings. We prefer to be affirmed, to be made much of, to be told we're wonderful. At least I do. But the underbelly of that self-oriented individualism is that no one really has the space to help us see inside the rock We usually don't know how to handle such honesty. And so we, as as a culture anyway, prefer ignorance. And yet we wonder why we can't get ourselves together. We wonder why we self-medicate. We wonder why trying harder to be happy makes us less happy. And while I'm sure that being human, John's audience would have enjoyed affirmation, their familial and their community-oriented culture opened some space, I think, for them to hear spiritual honesty. For them, and this is key, for them, the call to repentance was less condemnation and more invitation, less judgment and more restoration. I suspect that for the people coming to John, the law of God had done its work. It had exposed to them their own inability to keep it, and therefore their own spiritual dryness. John called them a brood of vipers, but they knew their own snaky ways. John warned them not to presume upon their Abrahamic Heritage, but they could already quickly acknowledge that their lineage had not enabled them to live up to being the type of people they were made to be. They came to John because they were not ignorant to their own spiritual dryness. They were coming not to hear a message of judgment, they were coming to accept an invitation of restoration and reconciliation. To God. After Cardinal Lamberto shows Don Corleone the dry rock. And talks about Christ not penetrating their dry hearts. Corleone has to sit down. He he goes into a sort of diabetic event. His blood sugar plummets. And they bring him some juice and some chocolate. And as he's recovering. He apologizes and says. This just happens when I'm under a lot of stress has been very difficult for me to, to, to accuse an archbishop t- to you. And the, arch, the cardinal says, I, I understand. When the mind suffers, the body cries out. That's true, says Corleone. And then the cardinal smiles and asks him, would you like to make your confession? The mob bosses, taken aback, back, your Eminence, I, w- I wouldn't know where to begin. I- I'd take up too much of your time, I think. And kindly, the Cardinal replies, I always have time to save souls. Corleone sort of hangs his head and says, I'm beyond redemption. In other words, the powerful Michael Corleone is seeing his weakness before God. He's seeing that his heart is actually just like the swindling archbishops or perhaps that the cardinal was talking about him all the time. It's his heart that is dry inside. Advent is the perfect season for each of us to sit on the banks of the Jordan with John. Consider the dryness in our own hearts. In the same way that the soldiers and the tax collectors asked John to help them reconsider their own ways. In Advent, we take stock of the habits that have gone awry. We take stock of the relationships We have hurt the ways that we haven't been the people we were created to be. The ways that we've gone through the motions with our hearts not being in it. Now, Why is Advent the perfect season for that? Well, it's not to make our hearts feel bad while everyone else is enjoying the holly jolly. We examine our hearts because we know that help is coming. We know that hope is on the way. John the Baptist did not prepare the way of the Lord as a herald so much as a plow. He prepares the way of the Lord by helping us realize how much we need the Lord. You can't weed a garden without first admitting that there's weeds in the garden. We prepare the way of the Lord in our hearts by admitting the things that are in our hearts that are in the Lord's way. And we know that hope is coming. We also know that Christmas is just a commemoration of a one-time event. Christ is not coming in a couple of weeks to be born of a virgin. He already came. He came and He lived and He died for our sins and He rose again. Advent and Advent's plowing preparation prepares us. Not just for Christmas but for Christ. Prepares us for the whole story. Advent prepares our hearts to hear that because of the incarnate Savior's finished work, we are never beyond redemption. And we can face the reality of our heart's dryness because we already know that we are infinitely loved and redemptively Loved by God despite the dry places in us. The patient Cardinal Lamberto says to the confounded mob boss Sometimes the desire to confess is overwhelming, and we must not miss the opportunity. To which Michael replies, what is the point of confession if I am not going to repent? And Cardinal Lamberto smiles and says, what have you got to lose? And slowly... Like a dam that springs a small leak before giving way completely, Michael begins to confess until he is sobbing before the cardinal. The cardinal offers him absolution and the beginning of freedom. Terrible as his sins have been, the grace of God is greater still. The author, Jen Pollock Michelle, uh, writes that repentance is a call to turn from our sin and turn towards God. To say it differently, she writes, repentance is a call to turn from self-harm towards self-preservation. Repentance is a life-saving measure. And so, yes, there is good news in John the Baptist's fiery warnings, we need to hear the truth. But G- John cannot speak without pointing ahead to the one whose sandals he is not worthy to untie. Pointing ahead to the incarnate one who will be for all people, who came to love, to forgive, and to restore sometimes the desire to confess is overwhelming we must not miss the opportunity what have you got to lose amen